on my note, welcome to episode 110 of Reviews from the Crawl Space. I'm Douglas, Snorri McGee over there is Vicky, and uh, on Twitter, at RFTCS1, on the Instagrams, it's just Reviews from the Crawl Space is one block, and there you can find what we're working on now, the current episodes, past episodes, all kinds of fun crap, and you can message us too, <laughs> if you want, which no one has done in 110 episodes, so... Um, so yeah, that's fun. So I'm glad that you refreshed. You come into this with lots of energy. You're just fresh out of your nap. You're ready to go. I'm actually, I actually feel like I'm in a deep freeze. I'm so cold today (laughs) that, uh, yeah, I just can't get warmed up. Got the heat cranking, so we'll see what we can do here. I might have to wrap myself up in a blanket. Well, that sounds fun. About as fun as these, the three albums we got today. And I tell you, we just have like the three greatest of all times here. I can't wait to dig into them. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting episode. <laughs> we got to have the day. You got to have. You got to have, have the ebbs and the flows. You got to can't can't be all fucking Pink Floyd's and the Who's all the time. Well, and that's that's the point. I mean, we've had some really great ebbs yeah. in the last few episodes, and this is kind of like it's not a total burnout, but no, it's pretty damn yeah, close. It's, yeah, it's, it's middling. <laughs> it's middling, for sure. Okay, so speaking of these albums what do we have yes this week we're talking about ario speedwagon and their album called riding out the storm the second album is duane and greg oh sorry (laughs) the second album is called duane and greg allman and it's a self-titled album duane and greg allman fucking hippies uh, the third one is another of the fabulous Southside Johnny. We have got this guy's collection down, I think. And the Asbury Jukes. Uh, this one's called I Don't Want to Go Home. It's a little Southside J. Yeah. Because <laughs> our favorite. <laughs> I don't know. It's, sometimes it's hard coming up with, uh, I guess it's reviewing anything is like that. When you keep coming across the exact same albums that you really don't like <laughs> over and over. What do you keep saying about them? Well, like and, and you feel like a real jerk because, I mean, somebody out there really likes Loves them. Loves them, yeah. I mean, obviously your mom and dad love them or yep. we wouldn't be on our third one. But, uh, yeah, anyways, okay. No, I, I agree because, like, someone out there is going to love some of these albums and we're just going to be, like, <laughs> right right on top of it. <laughs> okay, Ario Speedwagon. Ario Speedwagon is an American rock band formed in 1967 they achieved a following in the 70s and had significant commercial success in the 80s. Over the course of their career, the band has sold more than 40 million albums and has charted 13 top 40 hits. Uh, their popularity dropped in the late 80s, but the band remains a popular live act today. Riding Out the Storm is their third studio album released in 1973. It peaked at number one. 171 on the Billboard charts. Oh, 171, burning it up. Well, and the funny part about this is, and I mentioned it it to you as I was researching because it's so weird, is when did I say it was released in... Released in... 73. But it didn't peak on the Billboard charts until 1981. Hmm. And it didn't go platinum until 1989. Well, that's that's funny that they consistently sold. So, 
that leads me to believe that whatever albums came after this were obviously much more successful and then it just everybody kind of went backwards on yeah that. so they're like oh who's this oh, new who's, band who's this new reo speedway and everybody's talking about they discovered this album um so the session started out with a fellow by the name of kevin cronin uh, as their lead singer and he he was the lead singer from the the inception of the band yeah but he ended up leaving uh, before the album was even complete due to creative di differences. And he was replaced by Mike Murphy. The album contains a new composition by Stephen Stills called Open Up, mm -hmm. which was never ever recorded by Stephen or any of his bands. Uh, there were no singles released from this album at the time of its release. And just as a side note, Joe Walsh played slide guitar on three of the tracks. Yeah, a couple of tracks, for sure. And he you, jazzes them up. You can, yeah, you can, yeah, he does jazz them up and definitely tell it's him. Producer on this album is a fellow by the name of Bill Halverson. He has 139 producing credits to his name. Stephen Stills, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, The Little River Band, Graham Nash. Uh, the track listing on this album is Side A, the title of the album, Riding Out the Storm, or Riding the Storm Out. Yeah. Whiskey Night, Oh Woman, Find My Fortune, and Open Up. Side two is Movin', Son of a Poor Man, Start a New Life, It's Everywhere and Without Expression. The runtime on this album is 36 minutes and 26 seconds. And for context, if you're an REO fan and want to know, hmm, where did this one fit in? REO 2 was the before album, was released in 1972, and the after album was called Lost in a Dream, released in 1974. Hmm. Uh, yeah, for me, the songs Ride the Storm Out, uh, the song called It's Everywhere, those, for me, I, I like the most. There's, there's, there's a couple okay songs on there. Um, and that whole thing, uh, is, uh, is, is it moving or starting a new life? I think it's moving. The one where they're talking to like, oh, we're all moving to California, live on the fucking beach, fast forward 40 years, oh, there's no fucking water and housing's too expensive. <laughs> fucking everything's on fire just constantly. Like, just like everywhere else oh, in the world. Yeah, good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> everything's on fire, everybody sucks. <laughs> Everything sucks. We fucking oil all over the California beaches. Uh, move to California, Brittany. That's what, that's the that's the song. It raises out good times, a different way of Corporations life. Corporations are running things. <laughs> All our governments are corrupt. Uh, yeah. Well. Okay. So. So what do you got? What, what, how about some songs? What do you like on here? Um, Riding the Storm Out was yeah, a good one. There are really only one on that. Like that's there's like on, on Spotify there's almost seven million plays for that song. Nothing else cracks the two hundred thousand. Seriously. Yeah. And in fact, even songs, after even after all the hit albums that they've had, the one song that I like, it's everywhere. It only got like forty thousand plays. Wow, <laughs> that's really bizarre. Like I said, because there are other albums after this. After the, well, there were way more successful albums. And that Kevin Cronin guy did come back to the band. Yes, yes, he did. So. Yeah, I did. Probably and he's still with them today. Probably when they got bigger, it's like, <laughs> oh, I was wrong, guys. I'll come back now. It's fine. I was only kidding. It was joking, you guys. Fuck. <laughs> You take a choke. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I, I actually didn't mind this. Like, no, it's not and, bad. and we've talked about this a lot the last few weeks about how, um, you know, listening to the albums two or three or four times uh, during the week really does make a difference because 
the longer I listened to this one or the more we listened to it, the more I liked it. So Yeah, it's it's got its it's like a it's not as proggy as Uriah Heap, but it's kinda of like a light version of that, like a poppier kind of version of that. The one thing that I will say about this album that kind of made me chuckle was they have actual backup singers, like yeah, every once in a, while. a team of backup singers, <laughs> and just you don't generally hear that on rock albums. Uh, some of them. I think what was so what kind of stood out about that was just the way it was mixed, because they they were they were as loud as him. Yeah, it, maybe if not louder sometimes. So it was especially weird. that song "Moving." Moving, yeah, it was weird because they're like moving in the background, and I just. It just really struck me as odd for some reason. Really? I'm because pretty sure, generally I'm pretty they sure just the kind of have that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's as I don't think it's as rare as you think it is. Well, I think because generally they kind of fit into the background. Yes. They don't. This is not, yeah. They're not amplified. The mix out. is very upfront. So yeah. it, it was just kind of odd to me, and it was one of those things. And to be honest, I wasn't really fond of that new guy's voice. Yeah, it's okay. I thought he was kind of like, who'd I say, Ethel Merman? <laughs> yeah, it was something like that, yeah. <laughs> He's got this, like, falsetto to his voice, and yeah, it just sounded... Just... Uh, Kevin Cronin is definitely the better of I the bet, two. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say, I just have... Two lead singers. I don't think he's bad, but it's just, yeah, it's it's not... It doesn't be belted out there like it kind of should. <laughs> so now that I've totally picked it apart... <laughs> yeah, I, well, like you said, Joe, Joe Walsh was there to pick everything up. And not oh, just Joe Walsh, yeah. but... Uh, I think they used Barnstorm in general. Like, didn't they use some of the musicians for that? I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember reading that in any uh, of my stuff. Yeah, and I didn't write it down. I, I, it was a, an article I was reading, but I, since I don't have it here, let's ignore it. Yeah, so Joe, Joe Walsh plays on... Uh, yeah, the, you said three of those Whiskey songs. Night, Open up, up, and... Start a New Life. Start a New Life. Yeah. Open Up makes sense. Uh, that's that's Stephen Steven Stills' song. Yeah. And it kind of really fits in there. And to me, that, that sounds like a Stephen Stills or Joe Walsh song as opposed to REO Speedwagon song. So. And his guitar playing just kicks some ass. Mm-hmm. And so I just the song Riding Out the Storm was just about the band after a gig in Colorado. They were out. You, you saw that. They were they were actually playing a bit of a joke. It was starting to snow, and so they thought they'd get lost kind of on purpose to fuck with the tour manager. And they got lost, and the snowstorm was a fucking snowstorm. In Colorado, that usually means, you know, quite a lot of snow. Yeah. So they end up having to pull over to the side of the road, and everybody stayed in the in the bus or the van for the night. Oh, I bet you that was cold. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, they didn't do that again. They burned through a lot of gas, I bet. And so that's what that one's about. But uh, it was cheap back then. Yeah, back then, yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. It, it's, a, it's an okay album. Yeah, I totally agree. So I guess I'll get on to me now. Uh, Riding the Storm Out by R.E.O. Speedwagon. Epic Records, catalog WPE32378. Um, this is a reissue, and I don't know the year. Uh, the condition the cover is medium. Uh, you can't read the catalog number on the spine, but otherwise it's okay. It's hole-punched, it's got the condom ring, but there's no rips or stains. It just looks like it's old and original, well-worn. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's a reissue, it still looks like it's got a few miles on it. I wish I knew the year. Probably after in the eighties when they started getting uh, getting a little bigger, then it's like, oh, here's the reissue of this. Well, and I think they ended up releasing that "Riding the Storm" out eventually as a single yeah. off of one of their 
live or compilation albums, and it became pretty popular. Uh, it was first it was a compilation, and then yeah, I think yeah. you read about the compilation yeah. live thing, yeah. And it became a hit for them at some point. Uh, the there's no sleeve. Uh, actually, this one is, I don't think any of them have raw dog in it. All three were raw dog in it. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, which is terrible, which is surprising too, because the vinyl is really is good. I mean, there's some surface scratches, scratches and scuffs because it's just being hammered back in there. It needs a little bit of a better cleaning, but it, we played it; it sounded fine, it sounded good, didn't skip. So um, the audio, I said, was okay, a decent enough mix uh, for the most part. The backup singers were a little weird sometimes, as you pointed out, and. Yeah. Uh, it could use a little more. I thought listening to it again, it could use a little more high, uh, a little more of the top end. Mm. Just found it kind of like a little Usually muddy. We are missing the bottom end. Yeah, it was a little muddy this time, but I mean overall though, it was serviceable. Yeah, and it's funny for me because this album, I, I listen or not this album, I didn't own this one, but I listened to a lot of Ario Speedwagon oh, in really? my day, yeah. oh. and this one was just like so totally removed from what I know them as. Yeah. Totally. Well, so it was still really another. Well, you say which is those seventy something, seventy two, seventy three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's like another almost ten years before they're at the big eighties. So, um, okay, where am I at now? Oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Photography by Bob Jenkins and type design by Jimmy Watchdell. Uh, Bob, uh, photog with fifty one credits on the show with Joe Walsh, the smoker you drink, the player you got or get. Sorry, also worked with. A Loggins and Messina, a Blues Image, and Bob Dylan. There's really not much on that Bob guy. Not not Bob Dylan, but the other Bob guy. I'm about. <laughs> there's a lot of Bobs here. Yeah, there's a lot of the, on the other And Bob Jimmy, Dylan. an American photog, designer, art director with 94 visual credits. He's been on the show five times, at least five times already. Well, considering that he's only got, what would you say, 90? 94. Yeah. And so five of them, like I said, at wow. least five, yeah. So that's Joe Walsh, The Smoker You Drink, uh, Warren Zevon's Excitable Boy, Jackson Brown's Hold Out, Jackson Brown's Running on Empty, and David Lindley, who we loved on the show. Oh, and <laughs> nope. you're being sarcastic. I am, I am being very sarcastic. All those other albums are some of my favorites. Yeah, and then David Lindley's Win This Record. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember that. Not that his name, but the title the of the title. album. <laughs> okay, right. that's it for me. Okay, so Discogs information is there's one for sale on the site from twenty one or from twenty one dollars and eighty cents, so obviously twenty one eighty. Forty five people have it, twenty one want it. It gets rated three out of five with two people rating. Uh, resale value three seventy five, four ninety one, and six dollars. Hmm. Yeah, I can see this one, especially being a reissue, and everybody's probably got a copy of this album. Um, what'd you give it? Two point five. Yeah, I gave it three. Oh. Well, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it's like I said, I was I was gonna say that it's kind of a background album, though. It's a, it's a little bit of a background album to some degree. Like I said, it kind of reminds me of the Uriah Heap, but like a light version of it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, I mean everything. All this music's kind of in the same kind of category, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like you said, the more you listen to it, and it's like, oh, you know, just. Giving the song some other songs a chance and you know Joe Walsh and all that happy shit. So, so there you go, three. I'm good. You done? Aria Speedwagon down. Yeah, that's down. Oh, almost came right out of the case. <laughs> that would bad. Slip right out. Okay, so the second album, uh, Dwayne and Greg Allman. Dwayne and Greg Allman. This is a really interesting one. I disagree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I strongly disagree. From a research 
point of view, I'll say. Okay. So just so to give you some history, Dwayne Allman was an American rock guitarist, session musician, and the founder and original leader of the Allman Brothers Band. He died at the age of 24 in a motorcycle accident in 1971. Okay. In 2003, he was ranked number two on Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest guitarists of all time, second only to Jimi Hendrix. Hmm. Wow. Now, Greg Allman, was an Amer- which is his brother, mm-hmm. uh, was an American musician, singer, and songwriter. Um, with his brother, he started the Allman Brothers Band, um, which continued to have success after Dwayne's death. Greg's distinctive voice put him at number 70 on the Rolling Stones list of 100 greatest singers of all times. So this album, Dwayne and Greg Allman, is actually an unreleased demo recording of the band called 31st of February, on which Dwayne and Greg played as studio musicians. It was recorded in 1968 and never released until after Dwayne's death. Okay. So this album is credited to... uh, Duane and Greg, and it mentions nothing about the band 31st of February, and um, it featured Duane on guitar and Greg on vocals. Yeah. (coughs) The two had been performing with the band for several months before this was recorded. Um, The album is notable first recording of the song Melissa which was written by the Greg Alm- written by Greg Allman mm-hmm. and later recorded by the Allman Brothers Band. The album was re-released several times in 1972 by various record labels with varying cover art in various countries. Yeah, just trying to get it because no one wanted it. One single was released, uh, Morning Dew, and it did not chart. That, uh, and that's funny because that's the only song on here that I would, would say that was a single. This is the best song on there. And the most, uh, probably the well- most well produced and sounding. Well, and Melissa sounds like an actual track. Melissa goes to goes on to be reworked, like so they yes, go to play yeah, it with, on a regular basis. Band, yeah. yeah, yeah. The producer <clears throat> for this album was a fellow named Steam, uh, Steve Alamo, with two hundred and eighty four producing credits to his name. Sam and Dave, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Stephen Stills, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Um, yeah, the tracks on this song are side A, Morning Dew. God Rest His Soul, Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out, Come Down and Get Me, and Melissa. Side B is I'll Change For You, Back Down Home With You, uh, Well I Know Too Well, In the Morning When I'm Real. Wow, those are wildly unbalanced sides in terms of time. The uh, runtime on this album is 29 minutes and 24 seconds. Like this, on the second side, there's only four songs, and they're all... They're all under three minutes, 257, 225, 215, 240. The first side is way longer. That's that's so weird. Yeah, there's a, lot of, like that. there's a lot of weird things about this album. We've talked about, you know, one of them is the uneven sound. And that song is How, it's fucking Melissa that's it even too. Even during like one, one of their song. Big song, yeah. So during Melissa, like really in the middle of the song. It just drops the, off. The volume drops by like half. Yeah. And then it stays there for the rest of the album. Yeah. That's one of the things I don't like. Like, there's lots of things I don't like. This uh, albums, the songs, especially the, for me on the B side, it's just such a throwaway album. You say it's it's a demo. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like a demo. It's well, so... somebody was trying to make some money off something. Yeah, well, it's fucking uh, somewhere along demo. the line. And um, real didn't. I I actually liked side B better than 
hmm. than side A and did not, you know, op- upon several listens to it, mm-hmm. liked it. Despite, uh, you know, like you said, very I think uneven. It's so pointless and it sounds so terrible, especially the second side. It gets to a point like uh, it's coming out of an AM speaker in the, in the car or something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I when you pulled it out, I was really kind of excited because well, I for sure because like I the, thought it was going to be amazing singer, amazing yeah. guitarist, yeah. and then I think that's why I don't like this album so much because I heard that first song "Morning Dude." I'm like, okay, cool, they're going to do something like I thought it was going to be like a little different. They're going to go in a different direction. Yeah, and then I just like just go straight down for me into a boring pit of we've heard these blues songs a million times. Yeah, that's very true, and like you said, it. If the sound was better, the sound made it very unappealing. Yeah, so sonically, it was it was hard to listen to some of it, and I think in my opinion probably would change if it was it was mastered really well. It'd probably be fantastic, yeah. but it's just so hard to get through. And like I said, after you go past the first and second song, God rest his soul, but after that, it's just to me, it's like uh, just a gradual level of it becomes noise, background noise that not in a good way, just like. <laughs> static. Well, and, and absolutely no mention of the other band that, that you know, they were. Yeah. Other. And these those guys all played on this album, obviously, because they were yeah, yeah. a cohesive band. And these two were just session musicians on here. So like you said, though, um, yeah, it's just it's it's a demo. So, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, but they but they're they're selling it as a fucking album, though. That's the yeah. other problem I have with it. Yeah, because they're not saying like, oh, outtakes or early demo it's just trying to push it as an actual album and it, to me it's not really an actual album no and it's, it's less than 30 minutes it's just something that uh happened that they happened to yeah. i mean it's it would be today it would be like a a release by tom hetty tom petty from his archives or something yeah like b-sides and yeah, outtakes and, yeah well then call it that I don't yeah know. I, don't, I totally agree because if it was that then i'd be like okay cool yeah i wouldn't mind so much and like I said, it was recorded in '68. Never went anywhere. So yeah, probably until sat after Dwayne died, and then all of a sudden, here's this album. So yeah, being... so you're right. Like like you said, somebody was trying to profit off that, and at the same time, that's really what it was. What they should have called it was like outtakes. <laughs> Be- We're trying to profit off Dwayne Almond's death. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that's just not to call it, but I like call it outtakes and B sides or rare <laughs> rarities. I agree with you. That's kind of what it is, and they they portrayed it as something else, but. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like you said, Dwayne and Greg Allman, self-titled, Bold Records, catalog 33-301. This is a American copy, uh, U.S. 1972. Uh, blues, rock, southern rock. It's, yeah, it's the same stuff we've been kind of listening to. Which makes sense in the collection. Uh, condition, the cover <laughs> cover is poor and broken. It's, it's, really, it's really fucked up. Uh, there's no sleeve. And surprisingly, the vinyl's okay. We played it without any skips. It is kind of banged up, though. Use some clean. It's just it's just worn down from, like that has clearly been around a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's not much left holding that thing together. It just will. Um, <clears throat> and of course, we've talked about uh, the audio quality already at length. It just it changes. Like in this head, middle of Melissa, it just drops. And it's like ah, oh, and it stays down there. So, um, yeah, that's enough of that. Album designed by Drago, or Drago, I guess I'm, how you want to say it, Drago, a.k.a. Dagobert Fernandez. Oh, Dagoberto. God, this is a weird name. D-A-G-O-B-E-R-T-O, Fernandez. Hmm. So, anyways, he calls himself Drago, which I think is oh, a, cool. a good choice. Yeah, yeah. that's a great. 
Uh, an American uh, album cover designer. He has 285 credits. His only appearance on the show so far... Uh, only it says only one appearance on the show so far, so it must be this one. I thought I, I thought I saw another one. I'm gonna say, yeah, it this, showed a green spot for me too. So this this time, this episode more than any other time, uh, it's been a, a situation of like, and the last and last album too, where I had to go and actually like physically look them up myself to see what matched up because it's not showing that little green dot. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was actually a bit of a uh, bit of time spent on looking for some of these. Especially in the last guy at nine hundred or something. Oh hurt. gosh! It's just like going through that collection, and then you have to call on your memory to kind of look at. Yeah. Did we did we have we reviewed this one? Usually, it's I usually go by just like the cover, the picture, the picture oh, gotcha. of the album cover. Gotcha. It's like my brain is like, okay, yeah, have you done have that? photographic no. memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'd have been lost. Yeah. So, so Drago also he's also worked with a KC and the Sunshine Band, Miami Sound Machine, and Little Beaver. We were talking about. Well, actually, yeah, same with this uh, producer, this Steve Alamo guy. Oh, okay. Well, <clears throat> those were two bands that he, yeah. Because, yeah, well, because I was going to say, and it makes sense, well, most of the credits for this Draco guy are uh, are mostly Spanish or Latino. Mm, interesting. Uh, I would say 99% of them were, uh, kind of makes sense, because it says that he was out of, uh, I think he was based out of Florida, so that kind of makes sense, it's a, you know. Area that has a lot of Spanish and Latino music and culture. It's just kind of interesting to go through some of them because, like, some of them seem kind of familiar. This is, I mean, they're older albums, but it's just kind of going through that list. It's like, hmm, should I write that one down? Well, like I saw, I saw a little beaver, and it's like, oh, well, I'm writing that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beef. I know that's what I. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know, that's it for me. I've already said way too much about this album, I think. Well, and one of the other things I'll mention, too, is that these two, uh, Dwayne and Greg, did manage to get a Allman Brothers Band album out before um, he died. Oh, okay. So they did play together on one legitimate... One, one album. One legitimate album. Okay. So Discogs have 113 for sale from $3.75. 2,916 people have this album. Hmm. This version, anyways. 208 people want it. It gets rated 3.83 out of 5. 229 people wow. rating, which... They can have it. Like, if you clean up the vinyl, you can have it. You got a new case to throw that in there, boom. $2.50 resale value. A resale, yeah. Two fifty, eleven dollars and twenty-five cents. And if this album was in good condition... <laughs> which is not. Fifty-six sixty-nine. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those, one of those rare uh, kind of Amer American pressings. Wow, that's amazing. I would not have guessed that at all. It'd be interesting to kind of go through some of the other releases that, you know, from different album com com album record companies <laughs> <laughs> and um, countries and different things like that to see how much the value. Hmm. To see if it made a difference. Yeah, to see how much it wags. Yeah. I, yeah, it's funny because, like, I'm always surprised by that sometimes that... The albums sometimes we think that are going to be worth a lot aren't. And yeah. then some that, like, like you this, said this, yeah. are worth quite a bit. Yeah. Because like, I do not like this album, and I gave it a two. Especially because how many people have it. Yes, yeah, so you were like saying, you said 2,000? 2,900. Jesus, three, almost 3,000. Yeah. Holy shit. So, yeah. Anyway, two. I give it a two out of five as well. Yeah, like I, like I said, I... Yeah, I'm not going to totally show on because they can sing and play no, guitar. The <laughs> yeah, the musicianship, musicianship and the singing is yeah. great. 
Uh, however, and there's a couple of good songs there. The quality is not the greatest. Quality and focus and yeah, we you talked. Can we tell talked. It's, it's, it's cobbled tell, together. Yeah, yeah, you can tell it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we t- we talked about it when we first dropped the needle. As soon on as we it. dropped the needle, I was like, and what we're the like, fuck? So we're incoherent. like, we're gonna just have to wait until we do the research yeah. to figure out why this <laughs> is. What the fuck's going? Yeah, on? what the fuck's going on? <laughs> okay, last one, baby. Okay, number three, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Duke Jukes. Jukes. Uh, I don't want to go home. Uh, this is our third Southside Johnny album. We did the Jukes. Uh, they released from 1979 a year ago, and we did an album of theirs called Love Is a Sacrifice four months ago, that was released in 1980. They was actually gone backwards in their in this collection. <laughs> yeah, because this is the first, this is this their first, first album. album yeah. So they're an American musical group from the Jersey Shore, led by Southside Johnny. They've been recording albums since 1976 and have a close association with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Like a close association, I would, go, I would, I would say go as far as saying incestuous relationship. Direct connection. <laughs> this is their first re- album released in 1976. Um, the producer of this album was Little Stevie, or Stevie Van Zandt. Your favorite dude. You love who, that guy. Who we know. Hey, you love that guy, and you want to smooch him, and you love his show that he's in. He's creepy. He's uh, that was a good show, though. I can't, I can't shit yeah, on that I, show. Yeah, I have to say, until they got him involved with a woman, and then it was yeah, just Yeah, then like, it was like, ooh, ooh like Joe Pesci, Sharon Stone kind of cringe. <laughs> yeah. Just like, no. Yeah, what was that thing called, anyway? It was a casino. Or no, oh, the show, the show. The show. It was filmed in Sweden. Was it or, called? It wasn't called uh, Lillehammer, was it? Yes, it was called Lillehammer. Okay, okay, yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. And it was a good premise and everything. He was a yeah. The third season really kind of fell apart, but yeah. he was a, uh, a mafia guy. Mafia guy who was on the run. Yeah, and he ended up going to Lillehammer and, and Norway, yeah, Norway, making and a new life like for himself. Fish out of water kind and, of thing. Uh, it was on Prime or Netflix. Netflix yeah, Netflix, I think it was yeah. a Netflix show. Yeah. So it it was. It was decent. I think it was one of the first Netflix shows. We were sad when it ended. Yes, They kind for sure. of ended it what we thought prematurely without, you know, finishing everything yep. up. But There you go. But anyways. Just okay. <laughs> side, sidebar. So, uh, Little Stevie has 104 producing credits to his name. Many, many, many yeah. Sosa Johnny and Bruce Springsteen credits. The track listing on this album. Oh, and he also wrote... One, two... He also wrote three songs on this album, and Bruce Springsteen wrote two. Two, yeah. So it's um, mostly just a Bruce, Spring and, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band And one of, the, one of the songs was actually Ray of Charles, Billie Holiday, kind wow, of. Wow, yeah. Okay, so the track listing, uh, Side A, I Don't Want to Go Home, Got to Get You Off My Mind, How Come You Treat Me So Bad, The Fever, Broke Down Piece of Man, Side 2, Sweeter Than Honey, Fannie Mae, It Ain't the Meat, It's the Motion. Hmm. I Choose to Sing the Blues, You Mean So Much to Me. Uh, Clarence Clemens, Stevie Van Zandt appeared on this album, as did Ronnie Spector doing backup vocals. Yeah, I see that, yeah. So for context, this was the first album. Uh, The after album was This Time It's For Real. And I didn't write down the year for that. what I find um, kind of interesting is like I'm not a, obviously we're not fans. I'm not a fan of Springsteen. I don't like that genre of rock and roll. It's just like everything else we've kind of done here and in that blues, R and B kind of stuff. It's just yeah, I, I I don't have a lot of time for it. Um, 
I will give them credit because they're all like super fucking talented. They are, and they sold millions. Suicide Johnny's voice is nice. Well, and... it's funny. Oh, that's that's the funniest thing. That's literally where I'm going to go with this. Is that actually quite a few reviews that I read. People were shitting on his voice. I don't oh. like. I'm thinking. I'm the same as you. I think he sounded fine. This is perfect for what he what the genre is. I didn't think he was a bad singer at all. But no. I saw that reference a couple of times, and I don't agree with it. I don't like the music, but I'm not, he's not a bad singer. No, no, and like you said, the musicianship and and whatnot. And is... I will say, it's really well produced. Van Zandt did it. It sounds really good. I'll, yeah. I'll get into that in a minute, but it's really well produced. He did a really good job that way. And like I said, the sound is probably the best of the three. But I just, we listened to this album the least. I just, just listening to the two songs, I got bored. Yeah. <laughs> just start chewing on my arm. Oh, I know. <laughs> as soon as we pulled it out, it was like. Ah. I think it's the last one, though. I I'm, hope I'm so. really excited if I that's really the last hope so. one. And I apologize to all you, you um, fans out there of this. Guy, no, if you're a fan, if you're a fan of uh, Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band fans, definitely, I recommend this album a hundred percent. Oh, help. definitely. For, for yeah, some yeah, reason, yeah. for some reason, if you're a fan of those guys that haven't listened to this album. Go check it out because you're yep. gonna love it. I promise you, this is right up your alley. Uh, everybody else, this is not up your alley. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I don't want to go home by Southside SS Johnny, Southside J. I'm trying different names for him in case he comes up again. <laughs> and the Asbury Jukes. I like SSJ. SSJ, uh, Epic Records, KE three four one eight zero Canada, nineteen seventy six. This is original uh, conditions. Oh, I have oh, I had good at first and then okay because the glue just at the very top is just starting to break down. Others uh, fade in a ring, but it's it's one of those black car, dark covers where it shows every everything. Readable spine, that's yeah, fine. Uh, sleeve once again none. The vinyl's actually in good condition. Obviously some small scuffs, but otherwise it was fine. It was pretty clean and it played. It sounded fine. It's fine. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. Photography by Michel Funk. And designed by Paula Scher, Scher, uh, Scher. Anyways, I've been trying to figure that one out since I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, so Mitch, an American photog with at least twenty-seven credits. And I say at least because I'm sometimes all, all music, not sometimes, quite often, discogs and all music don't match. So, so oh, I, I always default to discogs because it just seems to be more accurate. <clears throat> yeah, I would put more trust in that than all music. I think. Uh, pioneered in-camera multiple exposure techniques, uh, and he works at one of the things about his signature style, and this is perfect on this album, is that he likes the the dark contrasty with the brights. He likes to have lots of contrast and kind of shapes and negative spaces. And well, he definitely got that on this album. I like it. Um, he has worked with. <laughs> he's also worked with Jay Ferguson. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jay Ferguson's like the ghost that hangs around all. Yeah, the... and we're seeing like I mean he's still alive. Jay but Ferguson everywhere. everywhere. We fucking turn on a movie, boom! He's like music by Jay Ferguson. <laughs> he wrote the theme tune, yeah. sang the theme tune, it's just produced those, the theme tune. It's one of those guys who's just in and around every, everywhere in, in music. But uh, the future is cool in the gang and Dave Matthews. So something I say a little newer. That's still like twenty something years old. Ah. <laughs> uh, World. Um, Paula, <laughs> an American graphic designer and artist, most are most well known for her uh, large scale paintings of maps covered with a dense hand painted labeling and information, among uh, among other things. Uh, all of her exhibits and museum stuff. Uh, Two hundred and ninety four credits. 
on the show before once before with Boston's Boston. Uh, work with the Yardbirds, Bob Dylan, and John Prime. Ooh. And yeah. Some heavy hitters there. Yeah, it was a big list. So, okay, wrap it up. All right, Discogs, four for sale from $4.85. Mm-hmm. 56 people have it, 13 want it. It gets rated 3.5 out of 5 by two people. Resale value, $9.38 across the board. Yeah. yeah. Everybody who wants a coffee's got one. <laughs> yeah. All 56 people. All 56 people. Although, to be honest, like, they do have um, different versions listed on Discord. Oh, yeah. I'm sure some of those and original, like Amer- the American pressings, are probably worth a lot more. So when I say that 56 have, I mean 56 have Just for this, this version. version yeah. Not any of the others. Yeah, exactly. On the platform. Yeah. I give it two out of five. I give- <laughs> Yeah, same, same here. We're about even on this one, two out of five. Once again, you know, it sounded sounded good and, you know, well-produced and all that. Good musicians. I just don't care about that genre of music. And I know that we have a bunch of actual Bruce Springsteen coming up, so it's going to be, like, more Southside Johnny. (laughs) Yeah, and I wouldn't mind so bad if it was the album uh, Darkness at the Edge of Town. I don't think it is. That's one of the albums. That's my favorite Springsteen album. Well, um, I, for you, I hope it is. I hope it's I the hope that's only the only one of his that I like. Oh, okay. So, so it'll probably whatever one you hate the most with it's, Candy's it's room be, on it. It's yeah. going to be the one you hate the most. Uh, best of three for me was Ario, I guess. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Or overall, totally yeah. Uh, Ario best overall, and I would say Salsa Johnny had the best sound. But oh uh, yeah, that's definitely that. So there we go. All right. Uh, there you go. That's it for now. Thank- I'm looking forward to the next three. As soon as we hit pause here, I'm going to go pick up the next three. So uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, thank you.